Hello and welcome to A Star to Steer Her By, a Star Trek podcast. This is our 58th yep. episode. Nothing. Woo! Whoa, Ooh, sorry. I'm, woos for 58? I'm, I'm zoned out. It almost felt like you were going to like make up a title right there. Yeah, no. This is our 58th episode. Today we'll be talking about two episodes, season one episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation, uh, The Last Outpost, and Where No One has gone before, inclusive. I, of course, am Jake, and I'm joined by... Chris. Ames. And Caitlin. Cool. So... Last outpost, and where no one has gone before. So yeah, let's uh, let's just start by doing a quick uh, once through of the uh, last outpost. We pick up. We're chasing after a Ferengi ship. These mysterious Ferengi. These fearsome Yankee trader. Yeah, alluded to in the Ferengis. in the premiere. Yeah, yeah mentioned yeah. that they're gonna feed the dude to them, but uh, turns out uh, they're just weird frog people. They they so they we catch up to them at some planet and then they immediately attack and then the Enterprise becomes unresponsive and they think it's the Frangi and the Frangi call up and they think it's the Enterprise so they mutually surrender to each other not realizing that it's actually the planet itself which is the home to the great t- t- Empire Tikan Tikan Empire which. Picard, who's not been established as an uh, archaeology or history buff yet in the show, had never heard of. Yeah. <laughs> but apparently they were a giant empire. Cool holographic table display to explain them. Data gets his fingers stuck in a trap. And uh, we go down to the planet. We meet the Ferengi. They're fucking horrible. Like, the dumbest. Like, they're, they're set up through the episode as being, like, these badasses. We get down there, and they're just fucking stupid. They're really They're dumb. like little frogmen. That, they look like crouch yeah, and like, hop. They're like they do doing, weird things like, with their weird arms. Weird interpretive basic, dance. Yeah, they're basically clowns in a circus. Yeah. So they're not badass at all. I, you know, they're they have cool these stupid... Lips. Well, I don't know. <laughs> One of them became erect at some point, which I thought was fun. Um, but yeah, they have these whips that shoot like electricity at you. And then we meet the guardian of the Empire... Who shows up? Who's like a computer or something? Or he lives on the planet? Portal sixty-five. Oh, portal. No, portal. Portal, portal sixty-three. 63. There it is. Uh, he lives there, and it's like, and he's like, "All right, well, which one of you is the bad ones?" And we have sort of a Metron incident where, or a uh, or a errand of mercy incident, you know, whatever. Where the, a little of both. A little of both. Where uh, Riker has to prove that humanity is worthy of not being destroyed, and then uh, he does, and all is well, and we leave. First appearance of um, what's Armin Shimmerman. Armin Shimmerman, who goes on to play Quark. A much uh, better, better character. For, <laughs> yeah, um, once better the Ferengi, Ferengi become better, yeah. We should clarify that we're not saying the Ferengi are bad. We're yeah, saying no. that the Ferengi, as presented in this episode, are garbage. Yeah, this first outing's terrible. It's Thank goodness thing. they changed them. They, they were get, like they, the Three Stooges. That's what they need is like a mm. Three Stooges soundboard. Yeah. Although, although, the one thing that stuck around... Female! And Kuman! Yes, that will stick around. So yeah, they do keep some of the stuff. Uh, the fact that they're profit-driven is a thing that lasts. Yeah. So yeah, there are some similarities to later Frankie, but um, definitely they get their they get their legs in DS Nine and better tailors and better tailors, and they lose their head tattoo. Okay, so uh, so that was that one. This one, uh, next one is where no one has gone before. So while it borrows most of its name uh, from an original series episode, the, the second pilot, uh, where Gary Mitchell gets uh, ESP'd, uh, this is a very different episode, uh, although it does cover some similar ground. In this case, uh, we're going uh, where no one has gone before. Outside the galaxy. Outside the galaxy. Outside many galaxies. Yeah, True. so uh, this is our first first of two. Or there may be more. I don't know. First appearance of the Traveler. We will see him again. So it turns out the Enterprise is getting, has been approved for some sort of warp drive upgrades performed by some dickbag, <laughs> uh, Mr. Kaczynski, who's a real piece of work. He's yeah. Just, he's just a dick. He's arrogant. You know, and when the and when our uh, you know famed chief engineer Argyle, um, <laughs> everyone's favorite TNG character. Yeah, everyone. Um, it's a pretty Scottish name. It is. All engineers are Scots. We've established. 
So Chief Engineer Argyle is a little skeptical along with the rest of the crew. And when they ask Kaczynski to explain it, he's just like, fuck you, I know what I'm doing. The other starships didn't have a problem with it, so let's just go. So they agree to do it anyway. And he brings with him his assistant uh, from Tau Alpha C, who is unnamed or his name cannot be pronounced by human tongue. What kind of tongue does he have? I don't know. Wouldn't you pick a name that human beings could fucking pronounce if you were going to be around human beings all the time? Or at least have a nickname. Like, you can't say my name, but I like to be called Todd. Yeah, exactly. NBD, right? Like, Flip your shit, Todd. Well, you know, they said the same thing to Prince, and he was having none of it. <laughs> but anyway, so assistant formerly known as the Traveler <laughs> uh, <laughs> is there, and they start dicking around with the warp drive. And the as they're playing with it, the Traveler starts phasing in and out of uh, reality. And Wesley's there, and he's like, oh, boy. And then they end up two galaxies away uh, somehow. They've breached the warp tent barrier. And, of course, Kaczynski's very proud of himself because he still thinks that he did it. Yeah. And then uh, they try to do it again. And uh, this time they've ended up where no one has gone before. Uh, in some sort of weird part of space or is it? They end up in some weird place where thoughts become reality, much like the shore leave planet. Much like the shore leave Except planet. Except it's not a machine doing it. It's apparently just the place they are is like magic. And they so they talk to the traveler. Traveler's like, yeah, yeah, it's, I really shouldn't have brought you out here. It was an accident and you weren't ready for this because, you know, your, your minds aren't disciplined enough not to make fire or dead mama. Or delightful string quartets. Yeah. Or kitties. Or oh. rape gang. Or whatever, yeah. Well, that would that would escalate quickly. We're from like, ooh, nice kitty to rape gang. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's just kind of what's on Yara's mind, I imagine. I think so. Like, no matter what, even when she's thinking of kitties, it somehow goes to the dark, weird place. Well, because your traumatic, shitty childhood, it's gonna keep. We'll get to that. Well, sure. certainly we've mentioned them every episode so far because they just keep coming up. It's very yeah. unfortunate. Sorry, go on, Jake. So, uh, anyway, Traveler is like, all right, I'll take you back. I think I can do it. I got the power. But listen, just so you know, uh, Wesley is a fucking Mozart like savant. Savant. And, uh, he... Mozart was just a regular savant. Oh, <laughs> he was an idiot. Um, so, you should really. Take care of Picard. Picard's like, fine, whatever. I killed his dad, so I <laughs> And um, I fucked his mom. I killed his dad, fucked his mom, and I really feel bad. So they... Uh, also, so, have you seen his face? So the Traveler does his thing. They they return back to, to our galaxy, but he, in the process, phases out of our reality, never to be seen of again until the next time he guest stars in an episode. And um, Picard, violating every tenant of Starfleet protocol... And pissing off anyone that spent years at the Academy appoints Wesley an acting ensign on uh, the bridge. Yeah, we'll get to that too. So that Wesley can now be uh, issued a uniform and not have to wear those horrible sweaters. But, spoiler alert, he still does. So, oh my god. So that's, uh, those are those episodes. They're garbage now. They're actually, uh, <laughs> where no one, I actually really like where no one is yeah. number four. I think that's a good one. But, but let's talk about last outpost. outpost. Oh my god. Yeah, oh my god. Just thinking about it. Okay. Boring as fuck. Yep. Super boring. Like nothing happens in the first 20 minutes. Yeah, I wrote so far nothing next to nothing has happened and we were literally halfway through the episode. It was kind of like um the Baylock episode in that way. A little bit, yeah. Kind of yeah. nothing we're happens just for a, a long thing for a while. Time. Yeah, until the very very end where you see Baylock and in this one it's the very very end where we see Portal 63, and we're like, what the hell is happening now? Who was, for some reason, a man in bad old age makeup. A little bit of, of Really bad makeup. What, like, a little bit of Portal 63. <laughs> I just, there's no reason I can see that Portal they couldn't have just five. hired an actual old man. I want, like, how old was the guy playing him at the time? I don't, know. I don't think he was a job. young guy. Yeah, yeah, but the makeup job Yeah, was the makeup rough. job was awful. Like, They're if he shiny. didn't look old enough for their liking, just get an older guy. Well, why does the character have to look old if he's this weird Portal guardian of the Takan Empire? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Well, let's... But we're jumping ahead, as yeah, we, we are jumping do. ahead, but, but like... We want to go back to the half an hour of nothing happening? Yeah. Well, I just want to announce that I have finally done it. I've slept through my first TNG episode, <laughs> everybody. <laughs> 
I'm sorry you missed the Ferengi, Caitlin. I made it four whole episodes in. Yeah, it's like, I don't know. It's just like the way this episode was shot, a lot of like, it almost, if I didn't know better, I would say this would have was the first episode produced because mm. it just feels so sloppy. Like, yeah, there's that. In the opening at one point, I think we all noticed it, but I think Jake, you're the one that actually commented on it, where it was like, they just cut to the back of the bridge and show the bridge, no one saying or doing anything for like a solid three to five seconds, which in television terms is a fucking eternity. Oh, yeah. it wasn't that long. It was probably... It was a couple seconds. Yeah, but it wasn't like three to five. Yeah. It might have been three. There was but... like, But there was also like other sloppy shit. Like there was one when uh, Picard was talking to Damon Fuckhead on the view screen... There was, whenever they did the reverse shot of showing, you know, Picard from the front, you know, from Damon's perspective, there was a visible piece of lighting equipment in the frame, mm. at the top of the frame. <laughs> it looked like a barn door from a light. That's fine. Uh, it was visible in the frame. And this, it wasn't just like one shot. Well, I mean, it was probably one shot, but like... They cut it up into... Yeah, it was, it was several cuts back to the shot of Picard and the bridge crew with a fucking light in the frame. It's like... How, that's like fucking uh, amateur hour. I don't. I bear. I don't think we see much of that even on the original series when they didn't give a shit in those days. There was also weird shit like the weird hologram table in the conference room. Yeah. That we never. I don't. As far as I know, we never see it again. No, we don't see hologram. No, I'm again sure like it was that? really expensive to animate. Yeah. And they probably said, "Well, we're not as much. A little much there. We'll just put everything on the TV from now on." <laughs> it's sort of like the opposite of how they use holograms in DS9, which. I think I mentioned when we talked about uh, Discovery was um, how they did a hol- they did an episode where they, instead of the view screen they used a hologram projector on the bridge, uh. which was just a cheap way of filming it without having to. Yeah. Well, see, they could have just redone what they did here and just have all the other bridges be bathed in so much light. Oh my god, I was going to say. All like, you could see was the captain. Well, yeah, yeah it's just close up on Ferengi captain's face. Extreme close up, like. Daemon was his name? Daemon Well, Daemon's a title, I think. Yeah. Ah, Daemon like, I think okay. it's the equivalent of Captain. Yeah. You can see his teeth. Yeah, his top row of Ferengi monster teeth and his bottom row of human teeth. Don't they actually yeah. just have pointy teeth above and below and they also don't stick out so much? Yeah, they, they, have, they have rough teeth later as well. But, uh, yeah. but not quite so... They tend to stay in their mouths, from what I recall. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, the makeup job on the Ferengi is definitely not... In its final form. And again, I feel like again they weren't expecting these episodes to be presented in HD mm, at that time. So the fact so like some of the shittiness of the makeup comes through probably more than it would have when originally broadcast, I would say. Yeah. The Ferengi are very confusing to me. Because I read that they were meant to be the new antagonists of the series a la the Klingons or Romulans in TOS. Mm. And yet when we first meet them, they're just fucking jokes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think it was an interview I read with Will Wheaton years ago. I think it was Will Wheaton that, that was talking about it. was um, about how, you know, the producers really wanted the Ferengi to be... Like the Klingons, like badasses, like badasses. That's In this why, case, they're just bad and asses. Yeah, I mean, so they sort of <laughs> the, the way they introduce them here is sort of a mix in a lot of ways of Balance of Terror and Errand of Mercy, which mm-hmm. is where they introduce the Romulans and Klingons respectively. You know, we have the Errand of Mercy thing, which is like on the planet, and you know, a superior race is judging you, sort of deal. And then you also have the fact that no one's ever seen a Ferengi, evidently. Sort of like the, the the Romulans, so it's supposed to be this big reveal that oh my god they're so horrifying, but that even as they were filming the episode, it was very clear that these weren't these were not the Klingons. You no. know, they were not badass. They just because of the design of them, really. You know, you can't look at the the that alien design and say that's. A scary monster. See, I don't even know. I feel like, you know, looking at at Tar in his close-ups on the screen, he could easily be a scary monster. Because we, we, you know, he's got presence. He's demanding on the, uh, to to Kirk, to, not Kirk, Picard. But then when we (laughs) see them and they start acting weird on the planet, they start, like, jumping around like fucking toads. And they, they can't physically close their mouths, so they're always kind of agog at everything. 
Yeah. I think the acting I think was weirder than the appearance. It's not even just the the jumping around. Well, I don't know. I think it's a com- I think it's a combination because I think you know. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could do use the same. I don't know. When I think of like a really scary badass alien, you know, we haven't seen them yet, so they won't mean anything to you. I think like the Nausicans, which we'll meet eventually, are pretty fucking badass and scary. You know, like the Jem'Hadar are scary looking, but the. Ferengi, I think they just look like frog people, and that's yeah. not scary to well, me. Well, until we see them, we also don't know that they're, like, four and a half feet tall. Yeah. When and that's being polite. And they, they tried to sort of imply that their appearance belied their abilities, where, you know, Data was like, be careful, sir, they're much stronger than they look, but I don't feel like that ever comes up ever again. I don't think a Ferengi is, like, powerful well, and people. Also, like, their, like, motto is, like caveat emptor like what is that like really that's really i'm not like literally right but that's like that's be, that's what beware. they that's what they live that's what they live by and it's yeah. just like buyer beware is the code you live by it doesn't really inspire fear yeah. unless you're buying the chinese finger traps that uh data yeah, keeps apparently he ordered with. those from oriental trading company you ever get those magazines here? yes yeah, actually. i've ordered stuff from them it's all garbage yeah <laughs> But, That's why it's so cheap. Uh, Gotta keep stupid kids entertained, though. Mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah, yeah. The finger trap catalog. thing. The finger trap thing. Not only is it weirdly placed in the episode of like, why is there this weird moment where in the middle of a conversation, Data is playing with a with a finger trap, but also like he's in the middle of trying to like give us valuable information. Yeah. Well, you know, so Chris, I think when we were watching, it, you said like, oh, this is going to become important later, and it did not. It did not. It did not. But here's the thing. There's an episode, a later episode that we'll get to, where it's literally the the Enterprise gets trapped in the space equivalent of a Chinese finger trap, and like they have to get out of it. And you know the way, you know, it's the same thing where they get out of it by basically shutting down yeah. the whole ship and like floating out under power, not under power, you know, just on their momentum. I don't know. I was so thinking... I thought maybe that would have been a thing they would do, and then I'd be like, oh well. I'm well, especially the fact that the whole thing like trying to pull apart. Yeah. wasn't working. But Ames, you had a thought. Yeah, I was going to say, like, the, the logic of a finger trap is you can't get out of a finger trap by fighting against it. You have to come together and unite as a whole for it to, you know, bunch up and you can get your fingers out. I, th- I forget where there was... This This was in an episode of Something Before where someone got stuck in one and realized, oh, you have to, like, bring your fingers closer together and, you know, it's like teamwork. It's like working as a team. Except they're in order both to... your fingers. Hmm? Except they're both your well, fingers. Well, unless you're stuck with somebody else. If you have your, your finger in one side and someone else's finger on the other side. And that, I mean, maybe that was supposed to be the metaphor, except the Ferengi didn't actually really want to work with them. And, yeah. They liked whipping them, though. Yeah, they're silly Also, I've got to take... Whips. They did look like noodles, right? Yeah. I've got to take one last bit of umbrage with the, the finger trap thing. Yes. Data's a crazy strong android. There is no way he couldn't have just pulled hard enough to rip that fucker in half. Yeah, he probably didn't want to. Mm. He probably didn't want to. Mm. Also, he's a fucking super intelligent android. He yeah, couldn't figure out how the goddamn thing worked. And then later, everyone's on the bridge fucking with him. Like, I can't get my feet. You were there. Riker, Jordy, you were there. Riker, you got Data out of it. What the fuck? Yeah, I, I don't... Also, why do children have access to every part of this ship? The reason the finger trap was in there, because two kids were just fucking around in the conference room, which is right behind the brick. Do they still not lock doors on the Enterprise? Is there even a way to get to the conference room without going through the brick? There, there must Apparently. be. There must be. I, I mean, I just... Pull out the blueprints again, but... Like, well, it's good to know that parents in the future will be just as inept at keeping yeah, no their children shit. well-behaved as they are I mean, in the present. I thought it was bad enough they let Wesley everywhere, but now apparently they let any kid anywhere. Yeah. Merciful, mercifully, this was a Wesley-free episode. Like, that's... That's a good point. There's their silver lining. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He did not save the day. Thank Christ. Yeah. In fact, the only person on the bridge who seemed unconcerned with the Ferengi was Worf. Yeah. Or, like, he was surprised when he thought that the Ferengi had defeated them. Yeah. So I wonder if, like, the Klingons maybe had previous interactions and knew how fucking ridiculous the Ferengi were. Maybe. And maybe, and Worf is just standing back there laughing, like, <laughs> are they fucking serious? They're actually scared of these guys? This is well, Worf wanted to fight so fucking bad, because later really when did. they meet Fortal 63, or whoever the fuck, and, he, and they're talking about, oh, we have to do judgment or whatever, and Worf's like, I want to fight! Can I be the one that fights? And like, mm. no, that's not a thing we're doing, Worf. Sit down. Yeah, old Worf. 
I love that apparently the whole fucking test was just, will you flinch when I yeah. fling my weird halberdy thing near your head? Yeah, fling that didn't make any sense. You? That was stupid. That's not a test. Was it, was he also reading their minds? I think a little. Then why is there a test in it at all? Well, they also scanned the computer. Yeah, like on the show. Knows a lot about them already. It's just it's I don't a know. Dumb show. Was a yeah, dumb one. That's one really a lot of it didn't make sense. Mm. Well, I'm not sorry I missed it. Yeah, no, you didn't miss much. <laughs> but yeah, no, those pool noodles, man. Like you were saying, they uh, they, like one of them. This so one of the promotional items for Saints Row three or four was uh, literally a dildo bat. It, it literally it's a dildo that's like three to four feet long, uh, with a handle. Big what is this balls. from? Uh, one of the Saints Row games. What's a Saints Row game? It, it was the original one. It's Saints Row game. was sort of a GTA knockoff, but so they very like an open world sandbox game. Yeah, crime simulator. Um, but after the first one, they realized, all right, we can't go toe to toe with GTA on their own terms, so we're going to get increasingly parodic. And they're hilarious. Hmm. Um, I haven't played it. I've watched him play. But I've seen because uh, there's a online commentator, Jim Sterling. Because doesn't one. Jim have one? I was just going to ask you. And that. He throws it around in, in videos sometimes. But that's all I could think of was that giant Saints Row dildo bat. Yeah, it's it's and really it's like the dancing. <laughs> yeah. Like that's it looks that's like the big yeah. problem here is the dancing that the Frangie do with their arms above their head so much, <sighs> weird gestures with their hands. It's like fucking. It's like Derek Zoolander or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah about as dignified steel. and about as short. Yeah, yeah, not scary at all, Frangie. Not threatening. Not anything. If you were a kid, they might be kind of scary. At least until you see them in person. Like, once we met, like, Mo Larry and Curly there, it wasn't such a big deal. But, like, when you just have big <laughs> snaggletooth up on the view screen, it's a little creepy. Well, his voice isn't very threatening either, though. You know, it was... I mean, it's not like, you know, Quark's voice or anything, where it's just, you know, you know kind of nasal and non-threatening, but... Mm. I don't know. I just... I found them so lame. But maybe that's they because I've had so much exposure to the Ferengi already that I can't... See no, anything I, I but what they are. I think even divorced from what they become, these are asinine. Yeah. I liked that their reaction to the people that they were seeing were like kind of bent to mirror the audience's reaction to the Ferengi. Mm. Like how, you know, when they're when Picard's talking with the captain, he's like, Oh, humans are even more like horrifying than we thought or whatever. Yeah. And then like they're all like freaked out by the fact that uh didn't they take issue with the fact that, like, Tasha Yar was there? Yes, working and wearing with them? clothes. And wearing clothes, yeah. Yeah. They and force arm. her to wear clothes. Well, because on Ferengi... Ferengi... Ferenginar? For, well, Ferenginar in Ferengi I'm sorry, culture. it's called what? Ferenginar? That's, That's their, their homeworld. Ferenginar? Yeah. What um, the fuck? But in Ferengi culture, women are forbidden to wear clothes. That seems right. There's a lot of depth that gets added to the Ferengi during DS9. And a lot of it's really good. It's good stuff. Like, I like the Ferengi episodes are some of my favorites in, in DS9. We find out that, yeah, they're ve- it's a very misogynistic sort of society. And Wallace Shawn is their leader. Yeah, Wallace Shawn is their leader. And this goes back to, so... Um, Who's uh, from Princess Bride, right? Mm-hmm. Inconceivable. Yeah. Inconceivable, yeah. Yeah, who's, like, fucking hilarious. Yeah, who's um, basically the same character as who was from Princess Bride, but with giant ears. Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, there's some apocryphal beta canon that suggests that the reason why the Ferengi are regarded as threatening or uh, dangerous is because the character Wallace Shawn plays, Zek, who's the leader of the Ferengi, in order to make them seem more imposing in business negotiations, like orchestrated this whole thing to you know never make visual contact with other species to have this air of of, of you know mystery and mystery shit. and spread rumors about their savagery and work for the romulans yeah exactly so they basically pull the romulans but of course they're like really goofy yeah and their ships look like croissants yes delicious um, mm. so that's uh, that's that's sort of some like beta canon retcon that they've done to explain why people seem to actually fear the Ferengi when clearly they are not anything to be feared. Yeah, no, they are. Well, maybe they would also, maybe they would eat you if they found you dead already. Maybe. They mostly eat bugs. They're mostly fond of bugs. 
Ew. Beetles. Because they're like frog Ramon people. and Pumbaa over here. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, no, I, I adore Quark. Quark is an amazing character. Yeah. His so, character in this episode, Letek, no. Just no. no. Just La- no. Latex? Letek. <laughs> Some people have problems with the Ferengi because, at least uh, in their deep, deep Space Nine persona, they they have like a weird there's some weird stereotypes. Yeah, I've heard that they're a little they're, bit anti-Semitic or something. Well, they're not. It's just it's Well not them, but it's people say, Oh, well, you have these people who are mostly all played by Jewish actors. This the they're you know, most of the Frank are Jewish actors. And you have and they're money grubbing misogynists and people are like mm. It's a little problematic. I mean, I've obviously heard the stereotype about Jewish people and money, right? Like, everyone has heard this. I've never heard of them being misogynistic. Oh, I know that there's, like, separate, either separate sides of the temple or... Yeah, it's only specific. rooms and certain shit like that, but that's not that unusual. Other religions have that. No, I mean, it's, again, it's most it's mostly a stereotype. You know? Yeah. It's not, yeah. It's not really real. I mean, there was... I know that there was... Um, I mean, they even make fun of this on Curb Your Enthusiasm, where um, when Larry is going to have sex with a Hasidic woman, right, and, and the the sheet, the, the sheet. hole. Yeah, yeah, I remember that episode. So it's like there's like yeah, you know, so it's like stuff like that, which you know, it's obviously mostly rumor. Even on the on the Curb Your Enthusiasm, it turns out to be fake. <laughs> yeah, she's like a sheet. The <laughs> fuck, you believe that, you idiot? She's wonderful. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. I mean, obviously, what they just wanted to do based on the dialogue, if not the presentation, was just make the bad guys be ultra-capitalists. Which, that's fair. Ultra-capitalism is bad. Ultra-capitalists, regardless of religion, are money-grubbing. And, let's be honest, most corporations are still incredibly misogynistic. It might be an issue of, you know, the viewers just being like, well, they must mean the Jews. It's like, no, we we just mean capitalists. And again, the fact that they just happened to keep hiring Jewish actors didn't help. It's kind of like last week. If they hadn't cast just all black people... Maybe it wouldn't have felt like, yeah. This and that's why I think I think it was a um, I, coincidence. I, I think it's it, it was an inconvenient yeah. sort of just like last week. It was not intentionally racist. It just yeah. Except well, maybe the director. Yeah, I was gonna say the yeah. director might have intended it. May to have been racist. No one aside from the director meant to be racist. Yeah, and I don't think anybody involved in Deep Space Nine meant to make any. Uh, and certainly, uh, I mean. Just off the top of my head, I don't think Clint Howard is Jewish, and we'll see him as a Ferengi one day. That's true. I just like to think the fact that Clint Howard was a Ferengi once. It amuses me to no end. Mm. Tallest Ferengi ever. Aww. He was... God, even as a kid, he was How just... How tall is Armin Schindler? So unfortunate. unfortunate. No, he's not that tall. He looked pretty short. I'll look it up. I mean, they were all hunched over. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of hunching. Hunching bands. and crouching and... Yeah, it was almost like ape-like, too. Like, they, yeah. There's yeah. there something simian about it. They were, like, like, reaching their arms out. Like, they should have been longer than their... Like, like, like the proportions should allow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, mm, there were some choices made. The weird fur bandoliers, for some reason? And big fur Ugg boots? I didn't, oh, I wasn't looking Yeah, at that. they did have... Um, that was strange. Fur bandoliers. Yeah, there were all sorts of bizarre, bizarre choices made with the Ferengi in this episode. Mm-hmm. I mean, it still made more sense than anything involving the so-called test from Eiffel 65 there, though. Oh, yeah, that was a weird, yeah. Just, it was just Eiffel like they didn't, they didn't know how to end it, so they just went with that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it didn't seem to, like, resolve in any logical way. Like, really, I think the, the point of this episode was to introduce the Ferengi... And set them up as the recurring villains of... Which they give up on in, like, an episode. Yeah, there's, like, one more Ferengi-centric episode, I think. in the in, Or, like, you know, where the Ferengi are the main antagonists. Mm-hmm. And then it just sort of... And then they go, let's try the Cardassians. No, let's try the Borg. Yeah, that's they, a better yeah, they do idea. The Borg. I mean, they, there's a few false starts this season. Like, there's they start with the Ferengi. That doesn't yeah. work out. Then there's, like, this... Weird parasite thing that happens, and that's, that's yeah, season two. Speaking of parasites, did you know that Armin Shimmerman plays Andrew Ryan in Bioshock Two? Yes, I did. I didn't know that. I think in Bioshock One as well. Well, probably, but I'm not. I'm only seeing Bioshock Two. He is five foot six. Ames. Hmm. Well, so that's. I feel. I feel about like Cork feels a Yeah, I feel like Cork feels taller than a man. 5'6 is an average height for a woman. Yeah. We've had this discussion before. Yeah, what five is male I, five ten. Height? I think. Wait, that seems. I don't know. I'll look it up. 
Yeah, look it up. I think <laughs> yeah, maybe. for some reason I feel like Quark is taller, but I don't know if he wears like, different shoes or what. But well, it could also just be like he's behind a bar, so they're really That's it's really easy sitting for them a lot. Too. Yeah, maybe Rene Arbogast wasn't as tall as we think. The average American height for men is 177 centimeters, which is approximately five foot ten inches tall. Wow, look at you! Damn, if you're talking about American men, put that in American measurements. <sighs> Centimeters. <laughs> okay, so so Armin Sherman is below average height, but not like. But above average height in my heart. Mm. I was wrong. For women, it's actually five foot four. Mm. So he's right in the middle. Do we have anything else on this one before yes. we schlep on over? I was going to talk about what's happening up on the ship while they were down on down talking to the Ferengi. Tell us, Ames. When the ship, because they're on the ship, the um, power's gone oh, out or yeah. what have you, and it's like the temperature's dropping. I don't know what people are actually getting more affected by. I don't know if the oxygen was being depleted or what. I don't think the show knew. Well, if there, yeah, if there's no power, then the oxygen, yeah, you know, the ventilation to, it, system. It didn't seem work. like a big concern. Like they were concerned, like oh, everyone's cold except Wesley, who has the cache of sweaters. <laughs> uh, He's just in his quarters wearing all of them at once, fucking like I'm all right, mom. Just like fucking uh, Christmas story, can't put his arms down. And there was <laughs> that really dark moment. That where was great. Beverly's like. Oh, I decided not to trank Wesley. And Picard says, "Well, yes, he should. He should." What, 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 I wrote Be the able line to down. Face death awake. He has something. the right to meet death awake. Yes, it's like what? Where did that come from? Like, I'm sorry, but how does a ship that enormous, even with that many people on it, start to deplete its oxygen that quickly? How bad is its insulation that it gets that cold that well, fast? I don't know why they wouldn't just move towards the center of the ship, like. I Wait, why are you standing around the windows? Why don't they just beam a bunch of people onto the planet? Because the planet's okay. Well, that, that was, they were running out of power. That beam down oh. they did in the landing party was like the last of theirs. Also, oh, that, they fucked that up, too, because yeah. that wharf was nowhere to be seen, and Jordy well, was, was upside down. That was the force field, though, not them, wasn't it? That was my yeah. impression. Yeah, Something but like it was, that, yeah. Yeah. It, uh, yeah, it was something wrong with the planet. What was it that Jordy said about... My eyes have never seen anything like this. He said something. Oh, yeah, my eyes. I've now in show my eyes have been showing me this whole time. Oh, yeah. My eyes have been showing me. Like, and I'm thinking, like, dude, you're fucking blind. Why say that? Your eyes haven't shown you anything ever. That's a poor choice of words on, on Jordy's part. It really is. It's weird. It's con- it confused me. It stood out to me as a weird thing for Jordy specifically I don't know. I feel, like, I feel like that's just a thing, a thing he, was he, he can I, say. I don't believe my visor. Uh, uh, yikes. No, I feel like you know he's comfortable with it enough that he doesn't change the vernacular of how he's going to refer to you know, yeah, his equivalent of sight. It Even would have been nice, though, if there'd been some indication in the episode before that moment that he thought he was getting weird readings. Because it yeah. does come... Like, in retrospect, I think there was one moment where he kind of went like, huh, and kind of fiddled with the sides of it. But aside from that, like, not even a quick throwaway, like, this is weird. Like, all of a sudden, now I get it! Now you get what? What are you talking about? There has been no... What? Hmm, yes. That's easily... That's easily missed. Yeah. Yeah, and then just like uh, in the planet, be like, oh, this crystal—it's inert. Well, obviously it's not because it's what's sucking the energy out of the ship. And eventually decides to start sucking energy out of weapons, although it takes its sweet time. Yeah, yeah, I forgot how stupid-looking the first season uh, phasers look as well. Yeah, wow, like weird the, bulbous things. Yeah, just like the ship. Yeah, yeah. yeah I really wish that. Um, I mean, the later phaser is better, but I really don't know why they didn't just have a pistol yeah no that's so stupid i never i hate all the modern yeah, type it does. twos it looks like the it looks like the the shape of like the the type one from ta or tos but it's like the size of a yeah. type two but they also have, well, they also have like there's a, also a type one that they use in yeah there's a little type one that looks like the tos tos type one but their type two is this weird dust buster looking thing yeah, yeah, but it's like, like this, it's, it's the shape, it's the size of a normal phaser, but it's held like a type 1. I guess that's what I was yeah, trying to say. It yeah. just seems like that would be somewhat more control. difficult to aim. It also just feels like just making, I'm, to the listeners, I'm making the gesture you would need to make to hold a TNG type 2 and push the button. It, yeah, it looks like you're using a remote control. It's uncomfortable. Yeah. My thumb is already getting tired. Well, I they, wonder you don't, if you're like, not, you don't want to be comfortable shooting somebody with a phaser. <sighs> well, plus it's probably easier to operate with two hands, which I wonder if that means that you would have like better aim. But anyone so. only ever uses it with one hand. You never see a two-handed oh. like. 
I guess you can two-hand a gun as well. I don't know. Well, yeah, you're supposed to brace your arm because of the... Yeah, recoil. But but that, yeah, no, it just doesn't make sense. This is an energy weapon. It doesn't have recoil. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I don't mean recoil. I just mean, like, it's impossible for people to keep their hands totally still. Yeah. And I figure it's probably... But still, there's no reason not to have just kept it as a pistol design. It's a little weird. Do they ever switch to a different type? Nope. Really? Like, they slightly tweak this design. They, they make the end pointier, but... But, yeah, the same basic shape for the rest of Star Trek. Yeah. They do... For the rest of Star Trek? All yeah, of yeah. It, not even just TNG. Yeah, TNG, right through to the end of Voyager. What the fuck? We only get pistols when we go back to Enterprise, Discovery, and the Kelvin timeline. Are they, like, basically trying to, like, show how the future is better because there's, like, no guns and... Even though they still Although guns? they do introduce the phaser rifle eventually. What which, the fuck? Which is, like... A fucking rifle. Yeah, yeah we a, saw a that in uh, the cage. Spock had a rifle. Yeah, this is yeah, but that, I think that's the only. Yeah, that yeah, it, it, that actually I read that at the time. That's the last time we see a rifle in Star Trek. And I don't even TNG. think we see it in the menagerie, right? I think we only see it in the cage. Oh, I don't yeah. remember. So yeah. it's not that's not even officially in Star Trek. So yeah, I think the first appearance of the Fader rifle appears. Oh no, no, in where no no man has gone before, they have one. Speaking of no, where no man has gone before. Oh, do they? Where has no one gone before? Uh, Tinkerbell's homeland. is. I liked the effects. The effects were very pretty yeah, in, no, was, in where no one has gone yeah. before. Yeah. This was a generally okay one. Yeah, I think in contrast to the... Like I, said, like I was saying, in the, in the Ferengi one, I really felt like this could have been a pilot because of how... Janky. Janky it was. Like, one thing I didn't mention, and I want to mention it, is there's all these weird things where when they're talking to Damon Shithole on the viewer, and, like, Data and Jordy are, like, whispering to each other, bad-mouthing him, and then the guy's like, or, like, like Data was like, Yankee traitor. And then and then Damon Bach, not Damon Bach, Damon whatever his name is, is like, Damon Tar is like, what does he mean? Yankee traitor. And Jordy's like, I think he heard you. Oh it's no, just, Data's got a hot mic. It's just mic. so dumb. It's like, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, why are we putting the, what is this, a comic relief shit? Apparently. Check off, trying to get rekindle that old Chekhov and Sulu uh, back and forth. Yeah, and it didn't do work. It. work. didn't work. But anyway, uh, so in contrast to that, this episode actually feels like shit's together to me. Mm. You know, yeah. like they, the characters generally know what they're doing. We're finally getting to our final cast arrangement, what with... Um, Chief, Chief Engineer, Engineer Argyle, who we will, you know, come to know and love. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, he's right there, very prominently on the first contact poster. Yeah, that's right. There he is. Gets rid of the beard, which is strange. You know, it yeah. becomes a Van Dyke after a while. Yeah, you know, it, it happens that way. Yeah. But yeah, this is the first appearance of Chief Engineer Argyle, so we'll be looking forward to seeing much more of him. I'm sure. No, no sign of uh, McDougal. Uh, however, she uh, she just... Well, they, it's just they volunteer. Who wants to be chief today? Well, yeah, was, all right. She's normally the night shift chief engineer, but uh, Argyle was sick last. Because they just said they had multiple chief engineers, yeah, he did, which... Like a, yeah, he that's did. weird. Riker that's was thing. like, this is one of our chief engineers. Like, what? what? Well, then, yeah, I guess. I mean, if you're going to have a Scotsman down there shoveling dogs into the furnace... <laughs> then, uh, oh, my God. <laughs> you might as well have a couple. Why dogs? <laughs> Uh, there was like an old Simpsons joke where like they were on a steamship and they were shoveling dogs into a furnace and some in like the foreman he was like more dogs. <laughs> I think it was the Simpsons or maybe I'm making it up. I don't know. Maybe you're a psychopath. Who yes. knows? Well, speaking of dogs, we see uh, Worf's dog yeah, in the tar. tar. Like a little piggy. I love yeah. him. Yeah, he's a pig with fur and spikes. Very Aww. again, very uh, TOS ish. The wild boar actress. Uh, her name was Emmy Lou. Oh, she, she was so cute. Did she poop all over the stage? I, I, I did so. not ask. I'm sure. <laughs> but she was very cute. There was also a kitty cat. There was. A there kitty was. cat who was a Tars cat. Uh, Yars uh, cat Dorothy. I think she called it. Maybe on her shitty, shitty homeworld. Oh my god, that homeworld. Yeah. So wait, so we get so many references to where Yar is from. Where the fuck is Yar from? From some colony that, that apparently shit went bad. Very bad, and the Federation didn't think to check in. Yeah, I mean, she was... A- yeah, more dogs. It is a Simpsons. You thing. really think, given the whole, like, Governor Kodos fiasco a century ago, Starfleet and the Federation would have started keeping a closer eye on their colonies. Yeah. I mean, how many colonies do they have when, they, you know... For, the, the, the last iteration, there was always just one starship ever in a fucking quadrant. Then I don't know. They need to do something because this is ridiculous. This, yeah, yeah. 
Well, yeah, so apparently shit went bad on Yar's homeworld. And um, luckily, she's not going to live too long to worry about it. So we'll never pro- we'll never get a lot of that backstory that we that we could have. Uh, yeah, that's weird. Wanted. That's such a weird thing to like make it such a such a, a strong choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they give to her. really wanted to run with that. Well, yeah, I mean, if you, to this point of all of the characters, she probably has been given the most hints at a backstory. Yeah, you know, with with her upbringing, the rape gangs, and all that nonsense. We know that. Picard is French. We know that Troy is an empath. We know right. that she used to bang Riker. And we know that Riker used to bang Troy. And that's really all we know about right. him. Well, and, well, we know he used to bang Troy, and he's sort of our Kirk. And and he's sort of Kirky. And we suspect he would probably look better in a beard. Yeah. <laughs> Jordy's blind. Crusher, da- Crusher's a lost robot. a husband. Crusher's crushed. Oh, I thought you meant Wesley. I was like, what? <laughs> Crusher's lost a husband and has the world's most annoying son. You know, Argyle... uh, We'll eventually find out about his passion for surfing. Yeah, that's true. Um, What? Argyle. Loves surfing. There's a whole episode or a holiday malfunction. Okay, so I thought you meant Wesley, and then... No, no, no. So yeah, I mean, of of our main cast, Yar probably has the most backstory so far. Yeah. Which is interesting. Yeah, and her backstory is just rape gangs. That's a horrifying... Which is horrible, yeah. Backstory. like... I mean, it gives her something to be upset about, you know. I feel like what's sort of unfortunate is just that I'm thinking on it, because, again, this is like the third time it's come up in three weeks now. It's like, I feel like the writers just couldn't... Think of a better phrase than rape gang? Not that, but that, well, that too. But they couldn't think of a better... It's like, how do we... How can we make a woman chief of security? A lady can't be tough. Wait, what if she came from a planet full of crime and rape gangs? Yes, that's believable. That makes it. That is how a woman could be so not feminine. It just feels like sexism, like brought to an incredible extreme. Like they couldn't. They didn't think audiences would buy just a woman who was good at fighting and being a security chief. They had to give her a background that explained why, which was not necessary. Her background could have been she was trained. Well, she was also trained, I'm sure. Well, yes, but you know yeah. what I mean. Well, she, she could have just liked punching things from an early age just because. Yeah, I mean, she... Tasha Yar just gets it. She's had a rough life, and it does not get any better. No. She, she's the series Rand. Kind of, except she was supposed to be a lead. Yeah, she was one of the main characters. Rand was supposed to be a lead. Good point. Yeah, but I, yeah, it's true. I mean, they're clear. Like, I feel like they've been setting it up so far that if if she had not quit, that um, Yar spoiler alert, um, <laughs> that Yar would have been probably a more major character than Jordy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when does she leave? Like, the, how much longer of her do we have? She leaves around like the twenty or twenty first or so episode. Of <laughs> so the most season. of the way oh through my the first God. season. Yeah, she basically made it almost all the way through season one, and then why did she quit? Do we know? Probably thought the show was garbage. Well, yeah, I think well, I think that's part of. I've heard that she was sick of saying rape gangs every week. <laughs> I've heard <laughs> stuff about um, her per- wanting to pursue a movie career that didn't happen. Ooh, that was a mistake. Yeah, and like. Yeah, she she waited around and, long enough. You know, she would have had we'll, movies I'm to be sure in. I'm sure we'll <laughs> talk about this when the time comes. But there was a lot of let's just say uh, off-screen activities going on that are reminiscent of the original series off-screen activities oh, in a bad way. Oh no! With some of the with some of the staffers, I don't know about Gene specifically, but I know that um, that there were some serious problems. Like Gates McFadden had problems. That's part of the reason why she... Who's that? Crusher. Oh. She was actually fired, but that's part of the reason why she left, uh, was that there was suggestions that one of the producers, Maurice Hurley and Gates, did not get along, and possibly because there was suggestions of things, and I don't know. It's a little... No one's ever actually said what happened. Hmm. Wait, so how long does Dr. Crusher last in this show? she, She leaves after the first season. But then comes back in the third. The yeah. Fuck? Well, because yeah, Maurice Hurley got fired, and there and nobody liked Pulaski, so they're like, well, we need to bring back Crusher. Yeah. Hmm. Stuff to look forward to. Yeah. Wait, so does yeah. that mean we don't have Wesley for a season? No, he no. stays for some reason. Yeah. Oh well, thank she God. They, they, they she leaves her write, son with on the ship. Character off. Because the show's really invested in Wesley. He's Mozart, you know, as we find out this Oh my episode. god, this fucking episode and how it treats Wesley as their deus ex Wesley. Yeah. Right. Although they build him up so much. He didn't save the day. He least. didn't. 
Um, why? But, why give him the no, fucking no, rank? No, no, he guys, didn't do anything. He well, did he, save the day. It was him reaching out and holding the traveler's hand and looking sweetly into his eyes that gave him that last burst he needed. Why? Why did you just hold my hand? They, um, they can't see it's it. Just traveler. They can't well, see it. Well, I think I think it was because <laughs> the traveler told Picard to encourage Wesley. Yeah. Like, it wasn't for anything uh, he did. It was because, oh, I guess I got uh, Fucking well, nepotism. Meanwhile, Typical. the traveler, you know, dissipates back to his reality. He's hanging with all of his friends. <laughs> I told him! I told him the little fucking twerp was like moose. He made it Yeah. He's actually cute. The Traveler's yeah. just an aspect of Q who was like, Jean-Luc really hates that child. I'm going to drive him crazy by making sure he's around all the time. Yeah, you could see when poor Picard had to realize, oh, God, I have to give him a rank to be on the bridge, and I have to have him be on the bridge because the creature told me to. And, oh, my God, I don't want to, but I kind of have to. Riker, just give him a pip. I don't care. Give him a pip. Yeah. Give me a pip. Give me a pip. Break me off, please. Yeah, so the Wesley becomes acting ensign. The Traveler has come! What's that? It's Gozer. Gozer the Gozerian. Yeah, from the original Ghostbusters. From Ghostbusters. Gozer from Ghostbusters. Use the Destructor! It's not bad. Yeah. You know, uh, in the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, I kind of love that the resolution of this episode was, as far as I could tell, the secret. Just like the power of positive thought or something. Yeah, there was. There definitely uh, was some of that going everyone on. Everyone either concentrate on your current duty or focus on the well-being of the traveler. It's a little mud's women in that they're Pop beautiful out. all along. Yeah. If they only believe well, they are. I don't know. It, no, no, it's not like that. It's, to- <laughs> it's not like that at all. Because but. the whole point was that the place where they arrived in space was a place where thought and form were one. Yeah, which it wasn't like in Mud's women. It was like no, they're literally just ugly women, (laughs) and if you pretend they're good looking, you'll be all right. Whereas (laughs) put a bag on them. (laughs) Yeah, like I mean, the traveler's whole deal seems to be that thought and time and movement are all the same thing, and they wound up in a part of the universe where that those boundaries were broken down so that anyone could experience them. Whereas where we are, unless we're cool like him or Wesley. We can't quite differentiate. So, really, really, although we're making comparisons to the first Ghostbusters, it's really more like the second Ghostbusters when the goodwill of all New Yorkers yeah. dist- uh, you know, took <laughs> down Vigo. Uh, Vigo. Yeah. Your love is lifting me higher. I've higher heard. and higher. I say your love <laughs> is lifting me higher <laughs> than I've ever lifted before. I have no idea. I haven't seen the second Ghostbusters. You never seen it? It's not very good. Ever? Even when you're a kid? Oh, I love the second Ghostbusters. It's fun-ish. It's not as good as the first one. Vigo is amazing. Janos. Okay, yes. Janos is great. What am I thinking? Janos is the... uh, The little Peter McNichol. Is the the little Ferengi guy. Curly hair. Oh, man. He's never played a Ferengi, has he? He would be perfect. He's the guy... He's the guy that's like, the, the joyfulness one, is over. Yeah, the one that Vigo hypnotizes into being Where are you from? The Upper West Side? Yeah, he's kind of doing a checkoff now that I think of it. Yeah. Man, Peter McNichol's great. Yeah, I haven't seen him much since, uh, I don't know, and I always confuse him with Joey Slotnick. He probably still gets, like, a lot of residuals from Ally McBeal. He's probably just doesn't have to work if he doesn't want to. Mm. Sorry, that was a really weird tangent. Welcome to Peter McNichol Corner. But yeah, so so thought and reality and things. I, I kind of wish there had been a scene where, what was it, Kaczynski? Is that his name? Yeah. Yes. Where, like, Kaczynski is seeing his sort of thoughts turn real, and it's just a room full of people, like, screaming at him that he's a fraud and throwing things at him, and he just collapses in a corner and cries for a while. Really, the whole thing is kind of meta, in that the whole time Wesley's been imagining that he has a friend, and the Traveler comes and and becomes his friend. Mm. I love that, too. No, he's my friend! You two sat next to each other for, like, 15 minutes in engineering. Chill out. Wesley has no friends. No, I know. It is painfully evident. I still don't feel bad for him, though. No. Yikes. I did read that Eric Menyuk, the guy playing the Traveler. Menyuk? Menyuk? Uh, he was the he was the runner-up for the role of Data. Really? Okay. I could see that. Yeah. yeah. 
So one thing that was sort of annoying, speaking of thought and reality, was, and was, was, was the fact that it was inconsistently applied across the episode, like, who could see what, as far as the hallucinations went. Like, everyone, or at least both Worf and Tasha, saw the Targ. Mm-hmm. But Picard then, and Fire Guy saw the fire. Right. But then, meanwhile, like, Picard didn't see whatever was chasing those two people. Riker didn't... Sulu with a sword. Yeah, I hope so. Riker didn't see <laughs> Picard's mother... Mm-hmm. Picard couldn't see that dancing ensign's like tutu or hear the music. It's unclear if anyone aside from string quartet guy could have seen the string quartet because no one was with him. Yeah, I like the in- time on him. They yeah, I did. like the inclusion of all the all the random uh, random extra characters. Yeah, that was it, it makes it reminds you that the ship is bigger than the the fucking senior staff. Yeah, and nice. all these people have inner lives. That guy clearly has a bit of a music thing, and who knows? Maybe he can't even play the violin. But I always kind of wished he could. You mm-hmm. know. Yeah, I, don't know. I thought it was nice. I mean, it was very short leave-ish, mm. but um, I didn't have. A but problem it was with less it. for laughs and gags. It felt yeah. like, and I think that's part of why it maybe it were would work better for some people. Less repetitive. <laughs> less. Well, I mean, none of us like short leave. No, I know. I mean, it, 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 I know, but there, I there wasn't a thirty-eight minute long fist fight between Picard and his old rival his from mother. the academy. <laughs> 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 that would be a great song. <laughs> Mama, but you're dead. Oui, but not here. By the way, how does she have a French accent if French has been dead for centuries? But never mind. And uh, she's, yeah, especially because she should have a fucking Irish accent, obviously. If she's being Finnegan. she's Finnegan? Yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> so it's just oh, like, Johnny, my boy. Oh, Jean-Luc Picard. It's really hard. That doesn't sound like Mario. I don't know what the fuck that was. It's a me, your mama. <laughs> You're alive. <laughs> we can finally decide who's the better pugilist in the Picard family. And they go, and it turns out they've been having this ongoing fight that's been going for decades till she passed Which away. Which is interesting because the very next time we see a member of the Picard family, they have a fist fight. Do Stop. they? Yeah. I was kidding. Nice. Uh, it's actually true. Nice. Does it end really quickly because they both surrender? Or? <laughs> <laughs> LOL. Sorry, friends. Wow. Anything, but no, they actually end up mud wrestling. Well. Let's just say, much like Picard family reunions are very interesting. Much like Wesley not being able to get up and leave the bridge after being made an ensign, <laughs> I fear I shall not be able to stand for a while either with that vision in my head. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. Boner. Bone. What was with Kaczynski's, like, he wasn't Starfleet, clearly, but he was in a Starfleet uniform and he had, didn't have a special, he had a special, special pips, yeah. Pip, special square pip. Yeah, it was weird. He's probably a scientist whose work they... Subsume like right, a but why civilian just, engineer. Just have him in civilian clothing. <laughs> Weird. Maybe civilians wear that shit all the time. Because that's that. Because that's what the, the obviously they ran out of costumes in this episode. Yeah. Because they did put that that dude in the in the skirt. There were a couple <laughs> of skirt dudes, weren't there? Uh, wasn't there at least? Wasn't there there like was one that they really focused on. Yeah, but that ex- I liked that. I was excited to see that. He looked better in it than the, like because I said the guy we saw in the pilot one. It didn't look good on him. It looked better on this guy. Mm. I thought. I think it's still not a good look. The lovely. skirt look that we actually I think either in this episode or it might have been the the Frangy one we saw a woman in the skirt the same uniform I think and it's just it's not a good look with this uniform in general. Yeah, no, I mean I think they eventually it doesn't have the tailoring it needs. Yeah, well, they, yeah. they eventually yeah. a spandex skirt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, mean, I think eventually everyone just wears wears pants. Probably when they swap over to the newer, better uniforms in season three. Yeah, I feel like there's times when Troy wears a skirt when she is in uniform. But mm. She's rarely in uniform. Yeah, Troy yeah. is when whatever they dra- dragged out of the fucking free heap on the side <laughs> of the road any given day. Although I noticed that her, she's actually been fairly consistent because her. Outfit, I think in the either this, I think it was this episode was the same as her outfit in one of last week's episodes, except her yeah, her V had, was green instead of was, pink. Yeah, it was green instead of pink. She and had the same hair too. thing going yeah, on. Her hair was the same. That's got to either I can't imagine they're braiding that every day. It's got to that's got to be a like a, yeah, yeah a thing they just strap on. Yeah, those are pretty intense braids. They probably just have her real hair <laughs> piled up underneath it. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of people with weird fucking accents, I can't get over. Marina Sirtis's accent. Yeah, where the fuck is she supposed to be from? Even? I don't. Well, she was supposed to be from Beta Z, but her mom eventually will show up and is just American, fuck. isn't she? Yeah, it's, it's just it's fucking Major Barrett. Barrett. Major Barrett accent. Yeah. Um, Sounds suspicious. Of which, of which we'd heard like two. On I can imagine yeah. Marina Sirtis, who 
I'm sure considers herself an actor, spent oh, all of this wow. time. <laughs> oh, what? No. Uh, spent all this time like, oh, I'm going to establish that people from Beta Z have this, you know, weird sort of nondescript continental accent. And then they hire Majel Barrett, or really Gene is like Majel Barrett's hanging around the set that day. And they're like, oh, we need some, something for her to do um, <laughs> to play her mother. And she's like, oh, I'll just be me. And fucking Serenus is like, fuck you. Goddamn! I could have been just chapel. speaking British the whole time. Yeah, I'm sure. She mm. considers herself an actress. That was wow. I mean, here's the thing. I feel like she's doing the best with the garbage they give her. To I, say. And yeah, I agree. And I, with all due respect to Marina Sirtis, and like honestly, she's she's one of the more pleasant. Oh no, they're all good people. But in terms of like off-screen personalities, mm. she's she's like if you ever like watch videos of her talking at conventions and stuff she's fucking hilarious like she's she's yeah. one of the better uh yeah it's just like most trek people I it's kind of like i got one job on this ship it's stupid but i'm gonna do it yeah welcome to galaxy Quest. yeah and, but <laughs> honestly in this one she doesn't even have one job the thing is like when, yeah. even, she zero job even when she ship. has one job on the ship she doesn't like it fails so often i think there was that long reel in a in a video we shared of her being like I can't sense anything. No, oh, yeah. Well, you know what it is because so many people like have the fucking She's, emotion blocker. There's this whole you. there's this whole thing about Star Trek where the character it, it's the heroes problem. Remember the show Heroes, mm-hmm. which was okay. Never it was watched it. It, it. Got, it, it was got weird okay, after a couple seasons. It got weird after the first season. The second season was garbage, in my opinion. Because I think yeah. it was, I think it like there was a writer's strike and like it just never recovered. And a lot of shows didn't. But at any rate, the thing about heroes was that they made their main villain and their main hero omnipotent. They basically made it so that they could have any superpower. Mm. Mm. And I feel like, and then like what? So one of the things that they had to do in that show to continue it, and one of the things that made the show dumb was that they kept having to neuter their main characters to, to, mm. and take their powers away like every, every every season was about how they're they've lost their powers huh. and it just got stupid and i feel like in star trek's sort of they always have to demonstrate like they have a character who can basically read minds in troy they have a you know wharf who's a fucking soldier and they have data who's a supercomputer and like the three of them alone should be able to do most things, yeah. Just because they all have superpowers. But then you, in the way that the show establishes in the narrative that oh, this is a really dangerous enemy or this is a really perilous situation, is by neutering one of those three, if not all three, at once. or not all three at once. So like, if you know, they in order to show how tough an enemy is, they beam on the ship and kick Worf's ass immediately. Yeah. Or to show how enigmatic a character is, they have Troy not be able to read his mind. Or to show how smart somebody is, they have Data unable to best him at a at a, some sort of a thing. You 3D know? chess. 3D chess. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, and if they're really smart, uh, they'll show them walking on board and immediately punching Wesley in the face. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah. then beating Data. Wesley's the only character chess. on this show with superpowers who doesn't ever seem to get... Well, that's because impotent, no one takes impotent. him seriously. That's kind of the the impotent factor of Wesley is that like even though oh, he can do yeah, most things, <laughs> like Riker doesn't listen to him. Like the like one or two times where he's trying to explain like oh the traveler something's happening we should be aware of this thing. Like, Fuck Wesley, go back in the corner. Which yeah, I mean, every time someone walks into a room, Wesley's in. They're like, what is this boy doing here? The boy. But you know, the boy. Yeah, so that's a good point. And, 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 you know, and my point basically is that they do that on this show and they do it all the fucking time. There's always an alien that Troy can't read. Yeah. There's always an a entity or something smarter than Data. There's all, And there's always a an enemy that is stronger than Worf. And there's so that, always a character hornier than Riker. This is true. And it's um, usually Tasha Yar. And, and, it just, and it just gets to the point where it's like you start seeing these characters and you're like, wait, you're just useless. Yeah. So it really defeats the purpose. It's a self-defeating narrative uh, device. Yeah. But anyway, just thought I'd point that out. I like yeah. it. Yeah, but no, they never do give poor Marina Sirius much to do. No. She just sits there, oh, I sense, I sense he's lying. Oh, you mean the guy that was obviously lying a minute ago? Well, you're, <laughs> you're a real pro. <laughs> Love to have her in a used car sale. I sense he's holding back. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> Fucking moron. Captain, 
I don't think this car was just driven like, to church by a little old lady be... on Sundays. She's... Better ask for the car facts. <laughs> <laughs> My God, so they should get her to do an ad. No, yes. be that awful. would be astounding. Um, like she's supposed to be the ship's counselor, which mm-hmm. I don't know if at this point it was meant to be this, but I know eventually it's established that the ship's counselor is like a psychotherapist. Yeah, which is what I'd assume from the title. Yeah, yeah. Or but like then she's like, well, she works on the bridge there. Like, shouldn't she have? An shouldn't office? she be like the doctor? Like yeah. she has an office and like patients come in. Who is under more stress and more likely to crack under said stress than the captain? Well, right. Well, I mean, that's the thing. I would think like, oh, well, she's like a consigliere. You're like, you know, Fair she's enough. she's like a diplomat. You know, like yeah. that. Like when you see a counselor, I was thinking, oh, maybe you know, not taking away the fact that I know that she's supposed to be a therapist. You're like, well, she could be like. Like a diplomat that's there to like advise ease, yeah. the captain. In, yeah, and certainly does that sometimes. Yeah, and I think it was the the for honor episode or the hell it was called last week. She was sort of like, all right, here's what we know about these people. Yeah, don't fuck this up. <laughs> She's an etiquette droid. Yeah, human cyborg relations. Yeah. And last week, last episode, last outpost, she was like, we should be thinking about what's happening on the planet. And everyone's like, go away, Troy. Go hang out with Wesley. <laughs> No one listens to Troy, and no one listens to Wesley. Again, normally. Okay. Um, wow, Wesley has been just dragged down to woman status. So sorry, Wesley. I don't know. I was going to say Troy is dragged down to Wesley status. <laughs> Either way, it's not great. What I thought was interesting was how they were like, maybe we should like do some research while we're here. Yeah, that was good. They're like, yeah, but there aren't any scientists, and then Data cries. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, they say, you know, be nice to send a pure science vessel. Data isn't pure enough for you. I mean, the best that night with Tashi (laughs) are. I don't know. I think, you know, the Enterprise is supposed to be one of the most advanced ships in the fleet. And they have, you know, like a thousand people on board. And they have science labs. They have fucking cetacean navigation lab. They got fucking science on this ship. Yeah, they do. And like, yeah, I guess, you know, the episode needed to get over. They needed to end it. And they couldn't have, an, you know, add an act in the middle where they're doing research. Yeah. It felt more like lip service to the idea that they're an exploration ship. It's like, well, we're an exploration yeah. ship until we run into, you know, oh, God. a little trouble. That was the thing I, I thought at one point where, you know, Picard is grilling the traveler. And he's like, what's your destination? Why do you do this? Like, curiosity. And it's like, yeah, you know, Picard, the reason presumably you're in Starfleet. I mean, come on, man. First and foremost, you people are explorers. Why are you so so baffled by the traveler not having a particular goal beyond seeing shit? Oh, what's interesting. I meant to look more into this, but I have had zero time this past couple of months. This uh, episode was based on a uh, Star Trek TOS novel called The Wounded Sky, huh. which did, did not even include a traveler character. The ship just literally had a new warp component that was essentially... Something like containing a black hole in some kind of mini field or something. Some weird thing. The Traveler wasn't even in it, and yet all, a lot of the other stuff happened. Like the mother scene and the trying to walk out into space scene. Hmm. Uh, hmm. And then the general dynamic was there, even though they changed, I, I think, 90% of the rest of the episode. Sure. I don't know how that, how that would work. That's how the uh, Romulan right, yeah. uh, warp drive works. Huh. Oh, nice. Cool. Anything else on uh, either of these two shows? Mm-mm. No. Cool. Better than last week, anyway. Yeah, definitely an improvement. I mean, uh, on average, because last week's episodes were both kind of poor showing. Yeah, that was a really, really bad sophomore effort from Star Trek. I don't know. I think I think Outpost was fucking no. Yeah. Was a lot. No, that's what I'm saying. This this week we had we had had Outpost, which was garbage. Yeah. Yeah. Possibly the worst episode yet. I think I would agree with that. I mean, I think it's worse. You than, think it's well, than last week? Yeah. Well, you know, Code of Honor is always going to depend. Like the the value of Code of Honor is almost moot because so much of it's hung up in the in the question about racism. I think if you evaluate them on their story content and you know try to disregard the other issues, that Last Outpost is probably worse than than Code of Honor. But that said, it's hard to be objective in judging those. I really, really hated Naked Now too, though. Really? Yeah, it was pretty, but Data was so hot. In it it was so lazy. It was super. It lazy. was a non-effort that episode. This well, they so, fucking failed in everything they tried, but they tried. In Outpost, 
Yeah. Because the outpost was pretty lazy, too, though. It's just a rehash of the same old, well, like... Well, I mean, if they had succeeded in establishing the Ferengi... Yeah, but they... Ex- but, yeah, but they... But they the, yeah, they established the Ferengi as fucking pussies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I feel like they were trying a little harder with you know, this they than didn't they were. They know. didn't show... You know what their mistake with the Ferengi was? Is they... Worf getting knocked out by the Ferengi was off-screen. Mm-hmm. If they had shown Worf getting his I ass kicked, then, then, the, then they're just starting the trope early. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, but I would have known right away that these guys are badasses. I just feel like they probably just snuck up behind him and zapped him before he could even see what was going on. Yeah, probably. They're good um, at sneaking. They are. Uh, really but, high stealth check. But at any rate, regardless of how you feel, I do think that uh, where no one has gone before is decent. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's a of, solid outing. Yeah, absolutely. And that might may be the best episode so far of TNG. I'd say that so far, yeah. Small sample pool, though. Small, yeah, yeah, small it's a, sample pool. Very size. much just so far. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's. I would say I'd put this neck and neck with uh, Farpoint in terms of quality of uh, the writing and yeah. performances. And yeah, we all know the best one, though, is uh, Shades of Grey, which focuses on Argyle. It's where we find out what is surfing and all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. He actually uses it to save the day, which is astounding. Yeah, it's interesting because you think that, it, that the... That the Titles are reference like moral gray areas. It's actually the fact that he was known when he's a surfer as wearing gray sunglasses. Yeah. Gotta love Argyle. Argyle's a hero. Oh, it's the best. Getting a dirty look. Do you think... I want to keep shooting Jake a dirty look. Argyle is supposed to be, uh, you know, centuries later descendant of Argyle from Die Hard, and they're trying to say this is in the Die Hard universe? I hope so. What? No. I'm going to say No. (laughs) Jake, you should probably wrap this up. I'm getting All weird. right. Well, in any way, in Dirty any case... looks all around. Um, Sorry, Caitlin, you're caught in the crossfire. I think, I, think totally uh, okay. I think we've choked the life out of these two episodes, which means that this uh, will be returning next week to discuss some classics. Uh, Lonely Among Us and the one, the only, Justice. And I won't spoil it, but we do go to the sex planet, and oh, no. it is hilarious. I won't ruin it because we're going to have so much fun with Justice. I just see it now. At any rate, we will be back next week with those two episodes. Until then, this has been A Star to Steer Her By. Join us on Facebook at Star to Steer Her By. You can find us on Twitter as well as Tumblr as SSHB Podcast. Find and like us on your favorite podcasting app or on iTunes where you should also give us a rating and a review of your choice, whatever number of stars you think are appropriate. We're not any we're not that podcast that tells you, oh, give us the five star review because we know that we're at three star, three and a half at best. So <laughs> be honest. Yes. We can take it. Uh, can we? Yes. Rate and review. And uh, of course, if you do like us, the very best thing you can do is tell somebody else about us, send them the link, and share the joy that is a star to steer her by. Joy, with, he says. Yeah, the joy, the pain, the pleasure. Uh, man, we're trained in many techniques. And um, <laughs> we will uh, we will be uh, we will be happy to have all the listeners we can damn well get. Uh, and I think that's all. I think I've done the whole spiel. My name, of course, is Jake. This has been Chris. This has been Ames. And this is always Caitlin. Catch you on the flip side. Please check your turbo lift before stepping out. Mm-hmm.